Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock for another episode. Today, I am going to be interviewing Dana Lerner, and she's going to be talking to us about attachment grief. I came across her name and her story in an article I read in the Psychotherapy Networker, which actually has the title Attachment Grief. And so I would encourage you guys to look up that article. But I also want to tell you a bit about her background before we get started. Dana Lerner is an LCSW and a graduate of Columbia School of Social Work and the four-year psychoanalytic psychotherapy training program at the Institute for Contemporary Psychotherapy. She's been in private practice in New York City for over 25 years. She works with individuals, couples, and families. She also treats anxiety disorders, depression, OCD, bereavement, and PTSD. She's trained in modern analytic group therapy and she runs groups for trauma survivors and bereaved adults she uses a variety of different treatment approaches she's also a founding member of families for safe streets which confronts the epidemic of traffic violence through advocacy and emotional support and you are going to hear the importance of that topic of traffic violence in the story that dana is going to share today about her own loss of a child and attachment grief so please stay tuned and we will be coming right up with this interview Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chaddock, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. In July, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock will launch the next session of the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience and a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, to join the waitlist for more information or to sign up, visit tkcchaddock.org. Well, hello, I'm here again with Dana Lerner to continue our conversation about attachment grief. Dana, thank you so much for being here with us about this really misunderstood and important topic. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. And um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot 
a lot that can be said. It's it's interesting. I think I don't know if I mentioned this the last time. I think I mentioned it that, you know, the, the term attachment grief gives us words because there are not enough words around this. There's just there, it's it's so hard to find the words to describe what's going on. Um, and even around grief, you know, again, as I said, we, 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 we people run away from it. We want to get rid of it. We don't want we're not we don't want to feel it. We believe that pushing it away. We've been told that pushing it away is um, is the right thing to do. Um, after Cooper died, a friend of his, a little kid who was about four years old, was in his room and he said to me, where's Cooper? And I said, Oh, he's in heaven. He's having a great time. And, you know, I thought about that later and I was like, why did I say that? I don't believe that. I don't. I mean, you know, I mean, I believe that I believe that his spirit is is, and I will be with his spirit again. But why am I sugarcoating it? Why did I make it sound OK? Obviously, this was a little kid and I wouldn't want to say anything that a parent would not want their child to hear. But it really made me think like, why do we sugarcoat this? Why do we, you know, talk about heaven and how great heaven is? And, you know, and it's and and obviously for the, those people that, that believe in it, that's great. Um, but, you know, it is just it is just so um, again, this need to push it away or say that it's OK that it's okay when somebody dies or maybe minimize it minimizing it exactly yes yeah and, and um yeah this this idea of you know how can i be true to myself with what i say but then you also have these experiences you've said of people actually can't manage you know hearing about it um i think yeah. it must be very hard yeah to find people that that understand well you know what i always say is that like when your child dies so do you like a part of me died with him i am not the same person that i was i look may look the same but i'm not a part of me died with him um you know the the other thing that I was thinking about when I was trying to come up with this term is just the primary, you know, Winnicott's primary maternal preoccupation. And again, we always talk about, you know, being holding the baby and and taking care of the baby and 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 that sort of psychotic, you know, need to be take care of your baby. And again, I thought, well, what about the mom? The mom never, that doesn't go away. It just, or it certainly hasn't for me. That same thing has never gone away. But again, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, how yeah. are we supposed to live with that feeling of, of somebody just taking your child like out of your arms? Yeah. Um, and it, it it's just, it's so difficult. It's, and one of the other things that comes up a lot is, is this thing that I was calling like grief brain, um, which is, how I feel my brain is not the same as it was again when he when he was killed. And um, I think that we have sort of, what I what I believe is like a, a traumatic brain injury when a child dies for some people. It certainly happened for me. Um, and we all know how about the workings of the brain. But for me, like I I can't 
I certainly in the beginning, I, I couldn't feel parts of my body. Um, I'm, I'm walking around in a state where I'm not, I'm, I'm confused a lot of the time. I can't find where I'm going. Um, I lose track of something and it's, and I believe it's still this grief. It's grief is like holding a boulder with you and trying to walk around for the rest of your life. And you're always holding this heavy boulder. And, um, so just on a daily basis, you know, you're just, you're just dealing with, again, this, 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 you know, difference and and trying to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I get from here to here? What Mm -hmm. is it going to take for me to get from here to here? It's going to be so hard. Um, the other, the other thing, and just in thinking about sort of how for therapists, you know, how, how to treat, in my opinion, how to treat parents who are in this situation is um, somebody said to me, I thought it was brilliant, bereaved parents should be seen and not cured. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because it's true. You know, therapists are, therapists are not there to cure your 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 patients um that's not what we're looking that's not what we need what we need is compassion we need somebody to welcome us in again so many people who have left our lives we've lost so many people we need somebody who can tolerate just sitting and being with us it's simple in many ways just sitting and being there and you don't have to say anything you know, you just letting sort of like bearing witness to another person's pain um, and and tolerating that for myself. And I know for other mothers like that's so important. So mm-hmm. you don't you don't there's no real like skills or, you know, whatever that there's no formula, I should say, there's no formula. The other thing I just wanted to say is that I do, um, when I see new patients now, I take a, a, a history of loss because I, I think back to patients of mine who had a, like a sibling died and, and, and we didn't, and it wasn't looked into, I can see for myself having my daughter and knowing what happens to a family when it's an explosion, everything changes. So I'm just way more in tune with what sort of losses people have dealt with. Um, But, you know, as I said, the, the trauma, you know, the trauma is in our bodies and, um, for myself, the thing that I found to be helpful um, was not so much talking, but um, just doing, being mindful, and doing, doing, doing things to help me to pay, to pay more attention to moments when I'm when I'm not in pain. For example. Um, you know, you can t- you can get up in the morning and take a shower. You wash your hair. You soap off. You get out. You you're, you're done. What I try to do is I try to do things mindfully. I get into the shower. I don't always do this, but I try. Yes. <laughs> and I and I notice how does it feel with the water on your body? How does the warm water feel in your body? Oh, that feels really nice. How does this? How does the shampoo smell? Do you know noticing the smells that your senses using your senses to try to be mindful 
enable, so you're enabled to have some moments where you're not in that panicky, horrible place. And um, so, you know, just kind of slowing things down when you can. I do it sometimes, you know, just if I'm somewhere and I look at a piece of art or something that I've seen a million times and I just try to look at it and see what I notice is different. Mm-hmm. Looking for the beauty, looking for yes. the beauty. Yes. Um, and which is hard to find, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, I think most of us, the, the, the general thing that seems to help most people is nature, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that just the experience of nature, the experience of things growing, um, the, the ocean, you know, sort of these, you know, kind of the magnificent things that we see out there for many people can be helpful just spending time there. Um, I also, this is sort of in the same topic, um, really trying to use my breath. Um, you know, the breath is one thing you always have with you. You, It's always there and you can take it with you. And if you're in a situation where you're feeling horrible or when you're, if you're just starting to feel, you know, uh, anxious or, or panicky or whatever it is, you know, you can try to pay attention to your breathing and try to ground yourself. And sometimes just when I'm feeling really like, oh my God, like what the hell is happening to me? And I will just sometimes just sit down and just kind of ground myself, notice notice my body, notice my body on the ground, on the chair, um, try to breathe. And, and, I, and I often give some relief. It, it really does. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing, for me, well, I'm very into music. And so for me, going to music, like if I'm having a really bad day, like I will, my first thing that I usually try to do is put on a song that I love. Um, And that sometimes takes some of the pain away. So, you know, you have to access the things that, that mean something to you. You have to access the things that have helped you in the past, but there's so much, um, there's so many cool things now that I think are very useful, like sound healing. Um, And you can access parts of your brain that bring you relief. I've had this happen to me where I'm there's these sound baths and you know you go to you can have someone do it and I'm not going to I'm not going to describe it well enough but um listening to the sounds and I think people probably know about it. There's a there's a great app called Insight Timer. Yeah. You can if you whatever you're looking for, you can find it on there. So I I love the sound of bells. So I'll sometimes just, you know, listen to the sound of bells going back and forth one ear, the other ear. And I love that sound. And that calms me down. That makes me feel better. I think with that, and, and there's a lot more opportunities for that now. A lot of people are a lot of people are doing that. So sound healing is for me something that's really wonderful. Um, and I, and I think just, you know, self-compassion, practicing self-compassion is really important. Um, again, because I said your entire life is turned upside down and, you know, it's, you're, you should, you shouldn't feel bad. Any bereaved parent should not feel bad about 
anything that they consider a mistake or, oh, I messed this up or I did this or I did that. You know, it's easy to be hard on yourself and be like, God, I, I, why couldn't I remember this? Or why, why did I do this? What was I thinking? And to really try to give yourself a break and be compassionate um, and compassionate with other people because you, you know, you get, you can people, I can admit that this happens. You know, I've had a lot of anger, um, lots of anger and, and in the past and sometimes now and lots of frustration. And um, I'm trying, you know, with, with certain people, even, you know, if somebody like the thing that drives me crazy, if somebody like texts me like happy Valentine's day and, I, and I'm like, no, like I understand that people think that's okay, but I hate that because it's not a happy Valentine's Day for me, and it never will be again. Because my my love, my son, my he's my Valentine, and he's gone, and so I have to be able to say to myself, okay, calm down. They don't understand. It's okay. It's nice that people are thinking of you, things like and things like that to try to just you know keep myself in check, I yes, guess. Yes. Yes. For whatever comes my way. Dana, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned not liking that word anniversary, which I completely understand why you wouldn't. Is there are there some other words or phrases, you know, if if you wanted if you knew that it was close to the date that this happened for someone and you wanted to check in with them, or do you think that's individual for each person or what? I can say that most people I've spoken to hate anniversary. Mm -hmm. And the other word that I drives me crazy is journey, because I feel like people write things like the journey of grief. And that makes me cuckoo because a journey is something that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the things people call journeys now, I mean, I got an email from my parking garage and they said, we look forward to continuing the journey with you. And it's like, now parking my car is a journey. So I kind of have a little thing about that. That kind of drives me a little crazy. I think it really minimizes. But as far as saying things, you know, the day, the day, the person died. Um, it's, you know, honestly, things that people have come up with words that I, I can't even say on this podcast, blank aversary, you know, just something that is obviously not something positive. But I think just I'm thinking of you even. I, I know that I know it's going to be rough week for you. I know that I know these are difficult days. I'm thinking of you. Just knowing that somebody is thinking of you. And you see, because when someone's thinking of you, it means they're thinking of your child. And the most important thing is that your child, as I said, stays present. The worst thing for me is thinking that people are forgotten about him, that people, um, you know, aren't thinking about him. So it means so much to me when somebody sends me a text or whatever, just like just thinking about you. Um, and I'm very fortunate. I, I have an, a tremendous uh, group of friends and support system. And, you know, that's another thing that, and I know, I know groups aren't for everybody, but for me, having a group of mothers that I can, you know, we text each other all day long. 
And we tell each other these the horrible, horrible, horrible things we're feeling. You know, we tell each other when we when we don't want to be here anymore. And I feel with, without other mothers, other parents, I I don't I would not be able to live through this. And I, I just really encourage people, even if you don't like group, um, that this is so helpful. In jo- Jack Kornfeld's book. I noticed he wrote, he was writing something, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he even wrote uh, Bereaved Parents Need Group. He put that in there before anything. And I was like, wow, he knows everything and he's got a million ideas. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting that even he said that because mm-hmm. it's so important because it's so isolating. You know, it's yeah. an isolating feeling. You feel that you're alone and um, it's, it's, it's devastating. You know, you have this life and you've built up, you've built up this life and you've built up your world and and then it comes crashing down Mm -hmm. and the loneliness is, can be unbearable. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about some particular things that you recommend friends or family or whatever not say, is there any experiences that you had in your therapy process around this that particularly didn't work for you? Um, that you tried, that you would like therapists to know, or um, well, actually in therapy own, sessions that you had for yourself? My own therapy. Um, I think for me, I, I, I don't ever want anybody to insinuate that there's other people out there too. Like, I know, you know, I mean, look, we are in a horrible time. I mean, this earthquake, the war, I mean, it's it's horrific. And I know that I am a fortunate person compared to these poor people who are in hell. And, um, but I don't want people to say to me, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's, so-and-so also died. Like that doesn't make me feel better. That doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't help me. I, I, mm-hmm. I want somebody to just be here with me. Um, for me, uh, one of the things, and I did try a prolonged grief therapy, which I think is an excellent treatment for many people. I, I really do. For me, it wasn't the right thing, but I I actually learned a lot from it. And um, so it's like an ex- kind of exposure type therapy. And um, one of the things that uh, I was they wanted me to do was record what happened to Cooper and play it over and over again. And that's my biggest nightmare. That will not help me. That's re-traumatizing. And I think that's another thing that's really, really important, that you don't want to re-traumatize your patient. Like... I didn't, I didn't do EMDR. I didn't have anybody do EMDR for me for years and years and years. And I have not done the moment that he died. You know, I will, uh, I doubt I ever will. It's just, that's just too difficult. So you have to really be careful about re-traumatization around this. Um, And what happened for me, which is so interesting when I was doing the, the prolonged grief therapy is that when I went for my second appointment, I felt this feeling on my left side. 
And I was just a wreck. And I just, I left and I was like, this is just, you know, this is just not the right thing for me. But I had so much pain on my left side. And when I was starting to write paper and stuff, I looked and I found this thing called the um, cradling bias, left cradling bias. And mm-hmm. it actually shows that mothers, and I, I when I say mothers, I, I hope people know that I'm meeting you know, other fathers, parents, caregivers. Yes. But, you know, that the first time that you and the child are attached, the child is mostly on your left side. And that's the where the pain was for me. Mm-hmm. And I felt I felt like they're trying to someone's trying to take it away from me when I'm like, I want it there. I want the left. I want him to be on my left side forever. Yeah. So. That was really, really helpful for me to realize that, that, you know, this is where this is, this is why I'm feeling pain here. Because when I feel that somebody's trying to say, you know, as I said, to try to make me feel better or try to say, you know, it's so it's been so long. No, it'll never be. I'll always yes. I'll always have that. And and we do, you know, our bodies are so um, demonstrative and yes. amazing. You know, it's another thing that I've really noticed how my body reacts to certain things. And, um, you know, I try to if I can do body work, um, Mm -hmm. experiencing, um, I try, I've tried, you know, I try to get a massage if I can, if for somebody who likes massage, um, that's a good thing if you can do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that it's just, you know, it's not for everybody. It's it's not not everybody should be working with bereaved people. It, it and it's okay if you don't want to, and it's okay if it's it's not your thing. And I really feel that's so important. Yes, because it does it does take a, a, a tremendous amount of energy. Yes, from the therapist and. You know, we are therapists. We're we're we get connected. We can't help ourselves. You know, that's one of the reasons we do this work. Yes, and it can be very very hard to get connected to somebody, and you know, and and let letting that person sort of lean on you. You mm-hmm. know, it's hard, and it's something that we all need to be careful of. Is it oh, can I do this? Yes, the first therapist that I saw, I was. I think in the beginning, I was emailing her constantly. She always responded to my emails. Like I emailed her her so often and she was amazing. And because I felt that I needed her more than just one, one day a week. So I think, you know, you have to look at it that way for at least, again, I'm I'm saying these things, I'm speaking for myself, but I, I know others feel the same way. Like, you just need somebody who can hold you. Yes. Be with you. And you know, the other thing, cry with you. When I'm with a therapist whose I see is like tearing up when I'm talking, I love that <laughs> because to me, it's like they're feeling it. They get it. They're, they're, they're yes. using me. Yes. Like they're being human. And that's yeah. so lovely to me. Yes. Well, Dana, I know we're winding down here with our time. There was one other thing I wondered, and I don't even know if you'll have an opinion on this, but 
you know, there's different ways that someone loses a child, a, a traffic accident, or I know somebody whose child uh, was hit uh, riding a bike by a driver that was texting um, and children may die by suicide. Do you feel like there's any certain thing we should keep be aware of about that? You know, well, I can tell you right away, it's not an accident when somebody's texting. It's a crash. An yes. accident implies that there's absolutely nothing that could be done to avoid it. And people yes. like to use the word accident, but it actually minimizes. It's a crash. Okay. The, the man that killed my son, it was a crash. He was not paying attention. The thing, and this is a whole other topic, and, and certainly they're probably too big to open that yeah, but I can right say, at this moment. But I can say that there's an epidemic of traffic violence in this country that is beyond the Belief and children, so many children get killed this way. It's unbelievable. And I was, I was just telling my husband, saying to my husband the other day because I know that you're involved with a group focusing on these yeah. traffic accidents. Family, said, safe streets. Yes, and I said, I wonder how things have changed since we have cell phones in our cars. Like it has to have been multiplied by 100th power or something because no one's paying attention. Yeah, this is a whole other podcast. So this is uh, something that, but you're involved in. Yeah, no, and it's. And, it's, and, it's, and people sh could be aware of in this organization. Yeah. Could you say the name of the organization? It's called Families for Safe Streets. And I encourage anybody who has been involved or knows somebody or is is has had, has, has lost someone to traffic violence, um, really encourage getting in touch with us. It's actually we're nationwide at this point. Um, mm -hmm. There's many, many reasons why these things happen. Mostly it's rec it's a lot of recklessness. It's a lot of recklessness. You're right. Texting, drink, drinking and driving, not paying attention. The other thing is most people, there's no um, there's no justice. People who kill people in cars, they don't they never get punished. They never get any. There's no accountability. Most of the time, nothing happens to them. I and mean, the, the man that killed my son got a traffic ticket. And I don't want this man to be in prison, but he's he's allowed to drive. He has a license still. So that's that's a really tough thing for those of us. And you know, look, as, as far as suicide and, you know, we, we have to we have to help our children more. We have yes. to. But one of the things I'll just say, the last thing that I'll say is it's it's a in, in children of color are so many children of color are killed in traffic violence. And, and that is just a horrible, horrible thing. Yes. Um, and it's just speaks to, again, just so many of the problems in this in our country. But you know, just asking everybody to just think about things and, and mm -hmm. you know, um, educate and mm -hmm. pay attention and mm -hmm. turn off your cell phone and and take your time. Mm -hmm. I think just even this term traffic violence as a form of education, I, I until I met you, I did not hear that term. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I also want listeners to know that you have 
website, uh, attachmentgrief.com. And if they would want to, you know, reach out to you about that. And I know you mentioned earlier that you're going to be releasing a book. I don't know if you know when that's going to happen yet, but we listeners could watch for that. My agent is very excited and I'm working pretty hard. <laughs> Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you know, I recognize that there's, this is a mixed experience. It's, it's sad, but that also you really want to educate people and raise awareness and just so appreciate your courage to share your own story and your own pain as a way for us to support people who have this really special, not special, it's not the word, a unique kind of loss that attachment mm-hmm. loss, you know, the, the, atta- the, the breaking of a primary bond that that Bowlby wrote about and so thank you thank you so much well, thank you for having me and i have to say thank you for being willing to talk about it um i was so happy when i heard from you because i was like cool somebody wants to talk about this yes yes because, as i said so many people don't so i really appreciate you reaching out and, and giving me this opportunity okay thank, you, well, so thank much. you for being here thank you so much Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 